0: We don't want publicity for Extinction Rebellion. We want publicity for the climate science and the climate crisis. That's what we want on the front pages. We're not trying to, you know, court media attention by any means we want people to be talking about the science and it's something that Greta speaks so well on you know why are we
1: not talking about the science and she's exactly this is things can only get Greta the podcast where we discuss how small changes can make a big difference in fighting the climate crisis with me Victoria Cook and Adam Costello hello welcome back to things can only get Greta with me Victoria Hello, Victoria. Hi, Adam. How are you doing this week, Adam?
2: Uh, I'm all right, I think. How about you? Uh,
1: I'm not okay, right? Oh. Why? Uh, Because the world has gone mad. Mm. Yeah. And it's stoking my inner madness. Yeah. I feel bananas. Yeah. Yeah. This is day thirty three of quarantine for is us. It? I counted the days. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I was gonna say. I've it actually months? next to my bed. I've just um, I've got a little wall that I draw a line on every morning when oh, I wake up. Is that up. What that scratching is? Uh, yeah. So day thirty three of quarantine. Yeah. And you know, this morning went in the yard, did some push ups. Mm-hmm. Didn't Being realize. We- didn't realize the neighbor was in the hammock next door and was listening to his grunt Ooh, oh, every yeah. time I pushed up. Um, he didn't see anything. I thought that was nice of him. Uh, so that's where I'm at.
2: Yeah, the weather the weather has been uh, absolutely epic, though, hasn't it? Oh, like man, for like it has been the whole time. It's I think we've been... had like two days of rain or something.
1: Yeah, it's been really great. I sunburned my shoulders today. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so that that's where we are right now.
2: Yeah. So I think we've. So we're in like the third. Well, let's say let's call it a month of lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've announced I think today that there's at least going to be another three weeks of the same.
1: <laughs> How does that make you feel when you uh, when you heard that?
2: Uh, what did you think? I don't know. Sort of. There's like parts parts of me. Maybe it's like the the very odd um, strange mind that I have. Uh, that uh, is like quite enjoys that factor i'm like oh that's pretty cool in a weird way do you
1: like but what is it about it that because
2: it's just so different to like a normal life and you're just like this is like this time that we can actually do all these things and you've kind of almost got an excuse to paint or draw or do all these like things that you've probably wanted to do for so so long Mm. and really that might be like a really good way of looking at this time that it's like a time that you can actually do all those things that Mm. you've not been able to do if you're you know if you're in a fortunate position whereas obviously tons of people aren't and it's gonna be surely fucking really really hard for some people yeah Um, but yeah but trying to i'm trying to take as much positive out of this horrible horrendous time as possible,
1: yeah, which I think is really all we can do, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people struggling at the minute, like you know. I, I think we were talking a bit earlier on about how actually you can be enjoying lockdown, some people are oh, the weather is gorgeous, the neighbors are out, we're talking, you know at like a two meter distance obviously but we're still talking we're having a laugh the kids are here yeah you know we're having a great time but actually the frame of this yeah yeah is that there are people going to work every day you know directly involved with really really sick people and trying to help in a horrendous situation without the right equipment and there's this terrifying thing happening that none of us know what the end is going to be yeah listen sorry to be debbie downer but like that's the frame that we're looking at this picture with so even if day to day we feel great we're like woohoo you know Mm. another day in the sun it's like there's also I don't know if you have this, but just this overwhelming sense of doom yeah. as well. And just fear for all those people that are really struggling through this. Yeah. You know? But yeah. but yeah, it's one of the things it's taught me now, right? Oh, this is gonna sound so cheesy and all my mates are gonna take the Mickey, but do you know what the truth is? Um every day I feel dead grateful. Yeah. Now yeah. for like things that before totally didn't, just take for granted. didn't like, yeah. even think about. Yeah. 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 So like today I was on me daily exercise. Yeah. Um and we're so lucky we live out near the hills and I'm yeah. walking through the hills and I just thought, bloody hell.
2: You said daily exercise. Yeah. You just told everyone you you're exercising first thing in the morning.
1: Listen, I doubled up Uh-oh. on the exercise, right? I've put on a bit of quarantine weight. Oh so at the minute uh, I'm having to hammer it. Uh, I've been eating the crisps, I've been eating a bit of chocolate, but <laughs> it's it was emotional eating all right, Adam. So, so, uh, so, yeah, what were you doing today? So, I was walking in the hills, you know, doing a bit of a Maria von Trapp spinning round, wearing a pair of curtains as a dress. Mm. Uh, you've never seen the sound of music, so that means now to you. Um, mm. but uh, I was up there in the hills and I just was thinking, you know, like, oh man, I'm so grateful because right now in this second. I'm not ill. the kids are at home. everyone's all right um and and I'm breathing in this
2: lovely Who was air. looking after the kids
1: you, <laughs> <laughs> but for that moment, I just felt really grateful, yeah,
2: totally well, uh, it's what you've been saying to me loads actually during this um, and it's like living in the moment, I think like before this all happened, I'm like running a business, running inland sea um. We've got kids like everyone. Your life before this all happened was like running at a million miles an hour, um, rarely ever living in the moment. Being told all the time, you need to live in the moment, and like, oh, I, 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 am I living in the moment? <laughs> and then you just like uh, the suddenly lockdown happens, and you've got all this time. You can't really do anything what you what you were meant to do, and you are suddenly actually forced to live in the moment Um, so like your day-to-day like you have just been totally living in the moment it's pretty Mm. amazing so maybe like this whole more positives to pull out of the situation is that we've actually been able to suddenly live in the moment for the first time ever in our lives potentially or just like and I hope loads of people are realizing that I'm sure they are
1: yeah yeah um, do you know, years ago, I went to Whitby, right? Yeah. Um, fish and chips? Mm, didn't I have fish and chips? Mm. Uh, but I went to Whitby and I did a course in laughter. So I studied laughter yoga in India years ago. Yeah. Uh, that's a different story for another time. Yeah. But um, I went to Whitby and I did another course in laughter. And while I was there, they taught us mindfulness, right? And one of the exercises was to take a bar of chocolate... Mm and blindfold your partner right hold on it wasn't 50 shades of gray or anything like that this was legit right and I was in a room with uh serious people Adam right and uh and what you had to do was you had to (laughs) oh god this sounds so dodgy now I'm saying it out loud but in the moment it (laughs) <laughs> it was normal, right? So, what you had to do is you had to rub this bar of chocolate under your partner's nose, and then they had to smell it. Yeah. And then you would put it in their mouth and they would eat it. And God. the point was to be mindful and yeah. to be present and in, in the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the problem is, I, I've got no sense of smell or taste. Oh, yeah. So there was just uh, There was no moment for a, you. There was just a middle aged man called Robin, who yeah. I'd only met a couple of hours earlier rubbing a bar of chocolate wondering under my w- nose. Wondering uh, what that <laughs> was feeding was happening. us. And me going, Mmm.
2: Yeah, well, even though Leave that visual there, I think.
1: Well there we go, there we go. Uh, so do you know what? One of the things actually I've been really enjoying about lockdown is speaking to the neighbors. Oh right? yeah,
2: yeah, totally.
1: So, uh, we've got we've got a na- Well, we've got neighbors on both sides, right? One of them's just moved in. She's great, but on the other side, right, he is so lovely, isn't he? He's yeah. so great, and he runs a carpet shop.
2: Yeah, I'm scared though now, cause it's like our the walls of our houses are like so thin <laughs> and you can literally hear like everything. So I'm scared that he could be uh, listening to us now. So yeah, um, but yeah.
1: Yeah, he's got a really cool carpet shop called The Weave. Yeah. Uh, which, are, the carpets are amazing. Have you seen them? Mm, yeah, of Yeah, course. they're really great. And he's such a brilliant bloke. Um, well, they're not
2: carpets, they're rugs, actually.
1: All right. All right, Aladdin. Chill your beans. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one, one of the main things we knew about him um, before we started chatting was that he liked to have a bath. Because <laughs> we could hear him running the water. And he liked to listen to a bit of Lionel Richie oh in the back. My God. Right? That's all we knew about him. <laughs> but now we know him really well. We talk to him all the time. And like, he's such a great guy. I feel, and, uh, I feel pleased that
2: we I'm just hoping now that he's not going to listen to this.
1: Let's not tell them about it. Okay. Okay. But I really like him. And then there's Barbara on the other side. Yeah,
2: there's Barbara. She's she's, she's old. A,
1: I don't know, but she's a great lady, yeah, yeah. and she loves people. birds. Mm. And I don't mean sexy women. Mm-hmm. I mean actual birds. Uh, oh, she's so lovely, yeah. Barbara. We've got a good street here.
2: Oh yeah, it's like a, um, it's just a proper sense of community, which is what we want to talk about it a bit like now i guess like yeah uh, although
1: like, hang on do you know maybe we should check in with this again in a month because right now we think they're brilliant but that's another, true. another month of lockdown we water. might be
2: uh, it isn't like well everyone's just hanging out and well it's sunny everyone's hanging out in the gardens and just chatting and chatting about the situation and it just throws up loads of really really interesting discussions about like Um, well, the world, I guess, and, like, even, like, Mm. politics and, like, the community vibe and everything. Um,
1: Where you grew up, was there... Did you have a community vibe?
2: I grew up in a field. Like, (laughs) I'm not joking. I grew up literally in this house. It was, like, smack bang into the middle of these fields and all there was was, like, a farm on either side. And my community was literally my brother, my sister, my mum, my dad. (laughs)
1: <laughs> this sounds like a cult
2: yeah, Adam. it was <laughs>
1: but was it nice
2: uh, yeah I think so we used to like like bury all the dead pets under a tree
1: oh god it's taking a turn now
2: Um, things like that and have ceremonies for them why did you have so many dead pets I think my dad might have not liked them very much but also there was a there was a main road at the bottom this is the other thing about the house (laughs) there was like a main road at the bottom of the road with no pavement so it's like we couldn't even it's like when we got older there's not like we could even like escape along and go onto the pavement into like the town or whatever we just had to like run through these fields it's pretty dark pretty weird sounds
1: like Children of the Corn Mm, it was a bit like that like a horror film Mm, yeah uh great. Well where well, I grew Aye. up in a tiny coal mining village <laughs> <laughs> in the northeast of England, Northumberland, beautiful Northumberland. And um do you know I tell you what, right? I, my street was quite long, but I knew so many people on that street and they knew me. There's little Vicky Cook. Yeah. Hiya little Vicky Cook and I pedal past on my little orange bike, yeah. Budgie, it was called. Community we had a proper community there mm-hmm. like we really did it was it was a small little village yeah small little you know um but everyone knew everyone and i felt really safe there it yeah well that's
2: the thing everyone talks about isn't it when we were growing up like kids were just literally allowed to like go out when they were dead young and just like see you later little oh, johnny totally we'll, uh, we'll catch you you know come was back johnny
1: up. another child of the corn
2: yeah, he was like my long lost brother. We let him go and he never came back. <laughs> no, he's buried underneath the oh uh, the tilly tree. Oh, <laughs> don't. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, gosh. Uh, yeah, so community. Yeah.
1: But, but now, so I think community can depend on how much you want to get involved. Yeah. You know, because for some people, you're at work all day and then you yeah, get yeah. back and it's like, where's the time for the totally. community? But actually, you or well, we as a family have been doing something a bit more involved in the community which is pretty
2: cool mm, you mean scoops and scales i do mean scoops yeah and so scales. that like um we've actually just had a delivery from scoops and scales
1: oh my god there was a right it's just just to what paint the it? picture nine o'clock p.m there was there was a very thorough knock on the door right only a policewoman or a policeman would make a knock like that. I thought, here we go. This is where I find out Adam's being taken, <laughs> taken down. Serious porridge time, <laughs> old Costello. That uh, we looked at each other, really scared. Like we live in the middle of nowhere. Who's knocking on my door? And it was like scoops and scales delivery. And it was like your pal.
2: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we got. Um, so we're part of a little uh, group, really of folk around us in the community who have all got together to bulk buy um, produce like dry pasta, Uh, rice name some more i always forget like you know well um, you always
1: buy about 10 (laughs) bags of cashew nuts oh
2: cashew nuts because they're expensive (laughs) in the uh, in the shops are they not Um, expensive
1: on scoops and scales not really is that why you buy so many yeah yeah
2: yeah Uh, but like refillables basically so that you don't have to um, buy more plastic bottles from the supermarket you just bulk bulk buy it and um, bulk buy refillable washing up liquid mm. makes so much more sense it's all eco-friendly you're not buying plastic bottles like, like I just said Yeah, uh, and it's just a total little grass mo- grassroots movement that's been born out of people just talking and thinking that's a good idea let's do it and it's just it has actually grown I think I don't know how many members they've got now um, but it's like not for profit it's just Everyone's pooling in together, working yeah. together. And, like, they're doing deliveries, like, now, where uh, a volunteer from the group uh, goes around and delivers and yeah. someone will just take in turns each month to do it. It's a pretty cool idea, really. Oh, it's, a, really, it's yeah. a
1: brilliant idea. But, like, how how do people find out about this in their area, do you think?
2: Well, I don't even know if it exists around the country it's but
1: i'm sure there are much more there's got to be more people doing this as well yeah maybe yeah maybe like i don't know checking out facebook what kind of
2: yeah uh yeah i don't know like um well get the word out like um the the problem is like you have to have an account with a wholesaler that does organic food um and we use a company called suma and they're like a massive. much call it wholesale of yeah. like they're a co cooperative, um, but like all really good stuff, organic, uh, refillables, etc you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Um but they've they can't take any more accounts because it's, they've been so overwhelmed. I think wow, it was like even really? it was yeah, like um, so you actually can't get an account with them anymore. Um, but there'll be other uh, companies that do it. What but... about
1: Costco? <laughs> <laughs> Macro <laughs> <laughs> macro yeah. remember macro. Macro card. Oh man. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so that's just an example, isn't it, of people getting together, uh really community led. Yeah. Um, but then uh things like but people growing their own vegetables and like this is the thing that's thrown up from the virus situation is that we like import all, all our veg from like all over the world and we could like totally grow it and there are farms all over the UK that grow all this amazing vegetables mm. but no one's buying it like and they should be and like let's hope that another positive to come out of. But
1: are the bananas bendy enough? I think that's important for well, some the bananas people.
2: Bananas you might have to say <laughs> goodbye to uh, maybe but you know that's I'm sure we can get the odd imported banana from Brazil.
1: Way aye, way aye. Um, yeah, I don't know, it's a funny one community. Where I grew up, um, actually we moved when I was like 10 to a slightly bigger village. Uh, look, I'm one of the village people. We moved to a bigger village. Um, and, and there, there was a community centre where I would go and like there was, I didn't pay any money to go there. Um, we would put on plays there was like a lass that would direct it it would switch around a bit someone would write the play we'd all pitch in with costumes some people would come and paint the set like nobody there was getting paid this was just a thing you'd do on a Sunday yeah. and I'd go every I'd watch Batman with me dad and eat a and butty then I'd go to the community centre. Batman every week? Yeah. Every Oh, right. Day. Oh, the series. The yeah, little, yeah, yeah. Se- oh, yeah. Not the film. <laughs> like, I'm talking proper like, pow, That's boosh, baff, all that. And then, and then I'd go to the community centre and then I'd just be with these people and would sing some songs We'd be like, oh, yeah, let's stick that in the show. And then would write the show as we went. And, like, people came and watched this shoddy, chucked yeah. together show that would do, you know, I think would do, like, two or three shows a year. Yeah um you know and like and and that does,
2: that does that still happen
1: well that's what i'm thinking i did try and do that in our little village yeah uh a while ago you know and that there it does still go on now it's run by a guy called donald uh with the biggest eyebrows i've ever seen on a human um, and he's yeah he's he's an interesting chap donald mm. Um but he writes the plays, he writes the music, the kids come in and do it. So that is still happening here. Yeah,
2: but I suppose like the whole community centre, um, like y we, we all know that they've all been shut down like over the last ten years, haven't they? Like even mm. libraries and like libraries libraries pretty much like yeah. cut in half and like uh yeah, community centre like the whole community centre thing in cities and stuff just doesn't exist anymore does yeah, it yeah that's it like, and youth centre. youth centers sorry that's what i'm looking for yeah
1: to. yeah so community is changing maybe it's sort of going more online now
2: but that's this is what we're trying to say like that that's where it's gone it's going to, totally going wrong and making people unhappy and there's no human connection because of things like that and that's what this virus Situation should highlight that we need like massively need community to be happy, um, in across like all levels.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. We've got such a great interview today. Yeah, uh, we were lucky enough to get Ruth Wright from Extinction Rebellion to chat to us. So during the time we did the interview, Ruth was actually in Kenya. Yeah working out there but you can't really hear it in the quality it sounds great and um, we were so lucky that, that she managed to squeeze in some time to chat to us because i think when you listen back to this it's just a fascinating interview and for me there were so many questions i had about extinction rebellion i'd done a lot of research online i couldn't really find the answers to what i wanted to know just like simple things like who works there you know like what what do people get paid for working for extinction rebellion where where do
2: they get the funding from
1: yeah how do how do how does everything get started off whose idea is it all of that and we were looking enough for ruth to really sort of answer a lot of those questions for us um and in such a intelligent uh really well thought out way she's she's a great great lady i really enjoyed chatting to ruth
2: yeah, she's awesome. Um yeah, so this was recorded in March probably I think. I oh, don't no, even March? February. Yeah. yeah, so obviously pre-corona. Um but the thing that I think that this massively highlights because again it's like do should we be chatting about like climate ch- climate change and everything uh because of corona, but the thing that you have to listen to in this is like where we've actually all gone massively wrong and all the things that extinction rebellion has been set up for um is all to do with like coronavirus and like uh, it's all everything is is totally tied into um climate change and the whole debate of whether climate change has caused this virus um it's totally debatable but we want to we're gonna like our next guests are gonna uh talk about that um but it is super interesting to think i'm so glad in a way that we've done this um, release this recording now during corona rather than pr- mm. before corona because it just highlights everything even more yeah, yeah
1: absolutely yeah so a fascinating interview with ruth wright from extinction rebellion enjoy
0: well, i guess like many people i saw what they did to launch uh, xr uk which was uh blocking the five bridges in london uh and i think i saw it when I was at work the day it happened and instantly I just thought right these are disruptive people and and they're the sorts of people I like Um, and I just wanted to know more really. Um, So I guess I just started following them, following what they were doing and then I saw them um, sort of publicizing training for speakers. Um, So one of the main ways we recruit, although I don't love that word, we recruit people to the movement uh, is through a, a talk called Headed for Extinction and what to do about it. And so I got trained in in how to give that talk. And then I became a spokesperson and, and joined my local group as well, which is at XR in Lambeth, uh, and then went from there, really.
1: Cool. Sure. Mm. So what could the typical person expect, sort of like heading into your first Extinction Rebellion meeting? What, what kind of people are you going to um, meet? What's it like?
0: I think probably definitely when I went to my first meeting, it was slightly confusing. Um, It probably seemed quite culty from the outside. Uh, We have lots of hand signals that we use uh, and that's really just come from other movements, which is all about trying to be as inclusive as possible and trying to make it much more of a kind of facilitation rather than a hierarchical meeting. Um, So everything we do is, is, it very much designed not to be hierarchical um and so hand signals are a, a way that people can contribute their ideas their thoughts um without uh it being dominated by one person um when you, when and then i guess say, ones like... sorry, 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 i
1: was heard. just gonna say when you say hand signals what do you mean I'm, I'm assuming you don't mean like ymca that kind of thing what like what are you what what do you mean
0: so, for instance, we have like what looks like jazz hands. Uh, that's yes. to show agreement or support for what someone's just said. Cool. Yeah. And then some people is uh, kind of neutral. I'm not exactly sure what I think about what you just said. And then jazz hands upside down is I really don't disagree. I don't agree with what you just said. I really oh, disagree with amazing. what you just said.
1: Yeah. 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 So. Sort of the hierarchy and sort of like, yeah, it gives yeah. people a way. Oh, you've gone again.
0: I guess is a way of showing support for what someone's just said, uh, and then also uh, most of the others are a way of kind of um, moderating the discussion. So, yeah. for instance, you want to make a direct point responding to what someone just said, you hold up two fingers. And if you want to make a new point, you hold up one finger, and there's always two people facilitating every meeting, so they're always watching for everyone's hand signals so they can sort of cue in the next person. And that also is a way of making sure that everyone gets heard so that the same people aren't continually speaking.
2: Mm, that's totally amazing, never heard of that before. Yeah, yeah.
1: although, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to my first meeting on the 30th. But I sort of like feel a bit nervous about it. So do I have to, I don't know, like, is it okay just to go on your own? Or do you need to, I don't know, like, do you need to, oh, i lost you. Oh, you're back. Hey. Um, yeah, so it's my first meeting on the 30th. And I sort of feel a little bit nervous about, about going, Um, like what are your tips for like walking in there you know like on your own do you have like i don't know like are people quite open to chatting or i don't know shall i what what's what's your tips ruth for going in there
0: um i think feeling nervous is totally normal i certainly did um most people turn up for the first time by themselves Mm -hmm. and um walk in pretty tentative about what's going to happen. if they're going to be judged for wearing leather shoes or carrying a plastic bottle <laughs>
1: um,
0: and it's ex- it's exactly the same as our protests most people go to them by themselves as well yeah so uh, there's definitely sort of things that are in place to try and welcome people so some groups have a like a new members team and uh things like hand signals are all uh, explained at the start of every meeting right. so that new people aren't feeling uh, really left out of what's going on mm. um what would my tips be um i think it's normal that most at the start most people are pretty quiet um and don't contribute too much but there's so much work to be done and so many ways to get involved that i think if you are a pretty sort of enthusiastic person and you really want to do something about the crisis then there are so many ways to get involved very quickly. So there's definitely not a a lack of jobs to be done.
2: Yeah. Cool. So how are, because obviously Extinction Rebellion is like absolutely massive now. Um, It's interesting how you're talking about the hierarchy. hierarchy. Uh, Can't say that word. Um, So like you've got, it's it's grown so big and so quickly. How does everyone sort of communicate in the, because you've got the tiny groups in the village here and the town over there. How is everyone like getting together and how does it actually, is there a lead, is there a leader as such, or is there like a, a governing body or, cause it's like you're global now and everything. So how does it actually, how does it work? It's amazing really how it's been done.
0: Yeah. So the structure is continually evolving, um, mm-hmm. but there is, um, what's called the central like exocentral and that's people who have given up their jobs to work for Extinction Rebellion full-time um and within that there's what's called a self-organizing system it it gets bit gets pretty jargony when you get into it but that's essentially like a structure that means that everything can be organized and so that people have a way of communicating and sort of feeding into bigger plans and strategy yeah Uh, so there's like a central actions team and they're looking out for actions uh for for a, a lot of the time it's also just trying to not double up on work mm-hmm. uh there's a media messaging team and they're people you can go to so as a spokesperson i can go to them and say you know i'm uh, doing an interview what's the kind of messaging i should be putting across at the moment um but aside from all of that it's very much encouraged that people are members of Extinction Rebellion for such a huge different range of reasons and they want you to um, be acting and working in a way that chimes with your beliefs or what your concerns are like the most pressing issues for you so there is guidance you want it but at the same time there's a lot of autonomy.
2: I suppose it has Um, to be um it has to be reactive as well like say like the Australian bushfires uh we suddenly have to be reactive to that crisis so it's like I suppose it has to just be constantly changing
0: exactly yeah and that's one of the things I'm continually impressed by is just how quick members are to get stuff done and get Mm -hmm. stuff together and get a local group kind of mobilized to go out and protest or Go and speak to their you know local politicians or, or national governments about what's going on in their country so yeah the, the speed with which people can mobilize is also is also incredible and i guess that's also partly because we are pretty big now so there are a lot of people to call on
2: mm.
1: do you know that taps in, i mean you were saying just before there that um some people have given up their jobs to work full time for extinction rebellion But how how does that work? Is there funding in place? And if so, where does the funding come from?
0: Yeah, so everything's completely run off donations. Um, So, for instance, during the October rebellion, we raised a million pounds of donations in five days. And that was purely from the public seeing what was going on, it being communicated in the media, seeing people camping out in Trafalgar Square and getting arrested and, who knows right who knows the, 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 you, there's no real way of knowing who the people are making donations yeah. but yeah feel from people you meet on the streets at least it feels like very ordinary people who are already very worried about this crisis and they're seeing people doing something about it and they go okay i can't get down there and protest but i want to show my support through money yeah yeah uh, and then i've heard uh rumors of billionaires just calling them up and going, I really want to help. Can I give you all my money? So you also get high net worth donors as well. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, and then um, within the last kind of six months, um, people are paid what's called a volunteer living allowance um, because we need people to work full time for Extinction Rebellion, but they also need to eat and pay their rent. So yeah. that's what that is to cover. Um, and it's never, never a huge amount, especially not compared to the really, you know, people who've given up really high paying, um, traditionally prestigious careers, let's, let's say, uh, those people, you know, they can't earn the six figures they were earning before through Sink's Rebellion by any means, but, uh, there's a need for those people to, to live. and, And that's what those allowances are for.
1: Yeah, absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, so I wondered what are your, because I suppose you've done quite a lot of protests and rallies now. I went to an amazing one in Manchester. I don't know if you were there, the, the most recent one. Uh, I've been in London. Ah, right, okay. Um, who are you? Um, yeah, Manchester's a great place. Um, but yeah, so they had like a full on. they had like a submarine, the atmosphere was amazing. And it was really, the thing that surprised me the most was it was really family friendly. There were like loads of little kids there you know and um just like so much going on for them as well one of the tents that i stopped in was really interesting it was uh, a chat about what to do if you got arrested at a protest right and um, and the advice was re- it was like really well done it was like so matter of fact and um really accessible you know because at first initially that thought is really scary but um but yeah it was really interesting to sit and listen in on. I mean the thing is I think the Met police didn't they put a blanket ban on Extinction Rebellion protests? They tried to criminalise anyone under the Extinction Rebellion banner in London, but that could mean like kids wearing an Extinction Rebellion badge or people who are just there, you know. Um luckily the court, the high court ruled it was unlawful. <laughs> but what kind of, I mean, you know, like I say, it is attracting families. What, what kind of, you know, um, how do you think that kind of publicity is affecting Extinction Rebellion? Because at the end of the day, you know, that, that could be quite scary to people.
2: Yeah, cause it can go one way or the other, I suppose, in loads of ways, because it's like almost like the, the police are doing that to scare people, yeah. knowing that it's not actually enforceable. Um so they're trying to scare people away, but actually it could be attracting more people as well so it makes more people angry so
0: yeah, um, and I'm so pleased it was ruled on lawful because we all mm-hmm. felt it had to be and yeah. um i I think it was a last resort for the police after two week october rebellion um people were still in Trafalgar Square, and they'd kind of run out of what else they could do to get rid of us, yeah um also a little bit of pride in them trying to kind of create these laws to get rid of us um we are very family friendly and that's because you know number one guiding principle is non-violence and lots many parts of the media try to twist it to make us look violent or to take a photo of the one person who might be throwing something but the vast majority of our actions and protests feel really friendly, um, really welcoming, really calm. You know, people sort of forget that while we're stopping traffic, we're also, you know, we've taken along cupcakes to hand out to the drivers that we're stopping. So so much of it is really family friendly and exile families is a huge part of the movement. Mm-hmm. And I think for the people that's because their kids are the ones who are going to suffer the worst. Yeah. So yeah they have maybe the most vested interest in trying to do something about this and trying to move our governments to do something about it. Yeah. Um, But as for publicity, we don't want publicity for Extinction Rebellion. We want publicity for the climate science and the climate crisis. That's what we want on the front pages. We're not trying to, you know, court media attention by any means we want people to be talking about the science and it's something that Greta speaks so well on you know why are we not talking about the science and she's exactly the same you know she's not a person who wants publicity for herself she doesn't want to be in the public eye and i think that's pretty obvious from from what you know about her and the way she speaks she wants the science to be uh, at the center of the conversation and, and until it is we'll keep
1: going yeah yeah i mean actually that sort of hits on something you know why do you think people have got such an aggressive reaction to people that are trying to save the planet you know like greta I, I don't know if you saw recently all of the uh, like everything she faced uh, well every time she speaks basically she just gets this barrage of abuse you know and i suppose the same with the extinction rebellion why are people so aggressive about this
0: I suppose lots of different reasons. Maybe you can't categorise everyone into one camp, but for me, it's that I think those people know that their uh, way of life, the lives they've planned for themselves, the careers they're going to have, all the fancy holidays they're going to take, is under threat from Extinction Rebellion, and they find that very scary. And I think a lot of their anger and malice is um is rooted in fear a lot of the time and they don't know how to express that in in healthier ways yeah. so they lash out but i think it's like so many people and causes and celebrities if you dare to have a voice on something especially if you're a woman you should expect a lot of internet trolls uh so i, I would say that you know it's just i don't know if it's always about what we're doing or about us speaking up on on the climate crisis mm-hmm. uh people who want to um channel their anger against people who who yeah. dare to just up and speak up on difficult issues
1: do you as a woman feel like you get it more than some of the male members of extinction rebellion
0: uh i wouldn't say so maybe i've been lucky i don't know um i haven't personally Sort of experienced uh, abuse. Um, most of the time, vast majority of the time, I get a really positive response to what I'm doing. And when yeah. you're on protest, the nicest responses you get from people you just meet in the street, you know, where they might just be walking past, is people just thanking you. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really humbling and a really lovely moment um, yeah. because it feels so different. And it feels like people are saying, you know, I can't or won't or don't want to do what you're doing, but I want to thank you for doing it.
2: Yeah, that's what um, that's what I found when people. I remember being in Manchester when the when the demonstration was on there and being in, in work and loads of people saying, "Oh, the streets are all um, closed and things." And uh, but no one was annoyed. Everyone was just like, "I'm really glad that they're here." And like that is the majority of people. I think you'll find it'll be it's it which is the most amazing thing about it. And um, that no one is actually opposing it. Like it's only like the police or the government, I guess. They just, like, want to dumb it down. And so, in general, it feels like the the whole, the general public are behind it, whereas, like, maybe 10, 15 years ago, they wouldn't have been. So Mm. it's it's amazing, really, the massive movement that's going on.
0: Yeah, and I think it's also that people get a lot of comfort from seeing people act publicly on something they're privately so worried about.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Climate... You know, people have been going to psychologists and therapists with climate anxiety for years now and they've been doing that privately and now yeah. they're seeing people act publicly and, and I think that people do feel sort of gratitude and, and relief and, and that relief is something that kept me going back and keeps me working for Extinction Rebellion. It's a huge relief to feel like you're doing something yeah. and we might still fail but at least we tried and there's a huge amount of relief in that, for
1: yeah. me. Yeah. Absolutely, um, so what would your advice be for people who wanna get involved, they sort of like, they're not quite sure what first steps they should take, what, what advice would you give to those people?
0: Um, so the uh, easiest way in, if you want to go to a meeting in person, is to look up your local group so you can literally search Facebook or Instagram for XR plus your local area, your town, your city, and that'll bring up local groups that you can join. Um, but of course that's not for everyone going to meetings in person, you know, people sit in meetings all day at work. They might not want to do that in their evenings and weekends. So there's so many other ways that you can get involved just from home. Um, so if you just go to rebellion.earth, the website, um, and there's, there's a, a really good link there to all different ways that you can get involved and, that can be in person or very much not in person, um, and I would say as well, you don't have to. What I love about Extinction Rebellion, as opposed to other kind of you know volunteering uh, opportunities, is that there's no qualifications you need, there's no experience you need. We really need everyone yeah. because it's everyone who's affected by this crisis. There's literally no one on, on Earth who can afe- who can escape the uh, effects of climate change, so we need everyone and, and everyone's welcome and, and there's something for everyone to do. And it doesn't need to be a, 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 you know, three hour a week commitment. It can be as and when you've got the time and got the energy and regen is a huge part of Extinction Rebellion. And, and the, the core principle of that is don't do too much and step back when you need to and, and take a break and take a rest because thinking about the climate crisis can get really exhausting. Oh, wow. And you can't all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, it really can. Um, so is there anything that we've not touched on today that you just want people to know that you, you really sort of like feel like you should say?
0: Um, I don't know if I've said enough about how everyone's really lovely and it's really fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the I thing. Yeah. I mean, sorry.
0: No, I was just going to say, I want to get that across that Everyone yeah. I've met, Rebellion people, I would genuinely love to sit in the pub and have a pint with. They're all yeah. really interesting people, and and often people have come to Extinction Rebellion after years of either worrying privately or campaigning. So they all are, are really well informed. Not to say that in a way that makes it sound like intimidating, and that you have to, you know, know the climate science to turn up. That's not the case at all, um, because you can learn more, loads more about it if you want to. Um, but just to say that, yeah, they're, they're overwhelming really interesting, lovely, giving, generous people who it's a pleasure to spend your free time with. And I think that's how it needs to be or else the movement's not going to go very far. You know, most people aren't working full time for Extinction rebellion. They're uh, doing it in their spare time. So it needs to be something that you enjoy and, and that you find fulfilling because at the heart of it is such a scary issue that mm. is difficult. Mm-hmm. I think it does need to be light and enjoyable and, and fun.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to ask the last question?
2: I thought that was the last question.
1: Oh no, I've got another one. One more question for you, Ruth, and then I'm gonna let you go, I promise. Um no worries. So if you had like if you could just give one bit of advice to people, just one thing that you'd like people to change that they can do every day, what would it be?
0: Campaign for systemic change yeah (laughs) whole thing um i think that we've gone through decades of fossil fuel companies and lobbyists making us feel that this crisis is our fault uh when that is not the case at all we could um all make all those kind of changes stop eating meat stop flying recycle all those things that people talk about we could all do all of those and it still wouldn't be enough it's the um, 20 polluters, literally 20 companies in the world that are at the, the heart of this problem. And it's them that need to change. And they won't change unless governments legislate for it and consumers demand it. So we all need to be acting in a way that causes them to make the changes that will start making emissions come down very fast. So I would say that we've all lived through a lot of guilt as well. A feeling like um, we're not doing enough, or we're doing too much that to cause too many emissions, and I think that guilt um, is really paralyzing. So I would try and encourage people to move from a place of, oh, I'm, I don't do all the right things. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not perfect, so why should I do anything? Anything you do is good, but uh, fundamentally, it's it's governments and corporations that need to make the big changes yeah,
2: yeah amazing yeah totally
1: oh brilliant thank you so much oh the brilliant ruth right there um that was totally fascinating and what she's saying about the tipping point i mean where do you think we are with the tipping point
2: uh well it feels like we've like hit the tipping point and flew over real, real quick.
1: <laughs> i think you're right we're, we're way over the tipping point now uh, but brilliant, thanks so much to Ruth Wright for giving us her time there. Cause, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, very yeah. worthwhile. And I think you're maybe thinking about taking a bigger role in Extinction Rebellion, Ooh. getting involved a bit. Watch this
2: space. Watch this space. No, I, don't, I hope that it's encouraged people to volunteer and just like get involved with it. I think people are probably quite scared of maybe joining... Uh, Extinction Rebellion but I think uh... Do you know
1: though, I don't know that they are mm-hmm. I th- from from everything I know they seem so family friendly yeah. and like open um, maybe there's a bit of fear about going to a meeting?
2: Yeah, probably loads of stuff around it because it's so in the media I suppose and the way that the media probably portray Extinction Rebellion um, in a bad way uh, but I think like that whole interview there just totally solidifies why you should probably get involved with them and,
1: oh totally yeah. yeah brilliant brilliant group um show. yeah so we'll be back next week
2: yeah so the plan um what we want to do is get someone involved uh, well a scientist or someone that really knows a lot about uh, pandemics and coronavirus in particular to see if uh, climate change has been a con- contributing factor to mm. why it's all happened um, we think it has been you kind of read loads of stuff about it but anyway uh, we want to speak to an expert and that's what we're going to do next week
1: and if you know anyone that you think might have an interesting perspective just drop us a line on Instagram at inline, in, Inland Sea, in line
2: sea. In line sea. No, Inland Sea it is. Inland just, Sea Inland
1: um, Sea just recommend some people that you'd love to hear from and uh, we'll round them up for you and have a chat
2: yeah nice one
1: so we'll see you next week
2: stay safe